It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. And there we are. We're on the air. <laughs> Good Tuesday morning, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy today. Sandy, wait for a couple of days. Fear not, she'll be back. Uh, but uh, we're, we're keeping tabs on the shop here this morning. And uh, you should not be surprised. Uh, still leading the headlines, everything Afghanistan. And speaking of headlines, uh, the headline this morning at Fox News is this. CIA Director Burns met with Taliban leader in Kabul according to a U.S. official, and that is CI Director William Burns. Now, get this picture. He is meeting secretly with the Taliban leader Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar, meeting in Kabul yesterday. We're going hat in hand to a group of terrorists hoping that somehow they will agree to extending the deadline that for the moment they are setting for August 31st for the extraction operation that's going on at the Kabul airport right now to be completed, which basically even Democrats, some Democrats, and we'll hear from them in just a second, are admitting that's impossible. But the Taliban, here we are, the CIA director of the most powerful military nation in the world, the United States of America, sitting down negotiating with a terrorist leader. And the terrorist leader, they believe they have the upper hand right now, not because they're more powerful than our military, but because we have a weak administration, the Biden administration. And the terrorists know that. And they are sticking to their guns. Now, I want to play some audio for you this morning. Rather than me talk about this, I want you to listen to this. On the weekend, Secretary of State Antony Blinken was interviewed by CBS's Face the Nation. Major Garrett is the host there. And I want you to listen to the questions that he gets, Blinken gets, and the confession that Blinken has to make. All right, it is cut number eight. The president said that we have an agreement with the Taliban. Mr. Secretary, that implies we are negotiating with them. Does that not confer upon them already legitimacy? No, we have, uh, we, we've had for a long time uh, contact with the Taliban, both at a, at a political level uh, in Doha, uh, going, back, uh, going back some years, as well as now on the ground uh, in Kabul, a working relationship in order to deconflict, in order to work through uh, any problems with people getting to the airport. Uh, that's been 
very important to making sure that we can actually advance our own interests in getting people out safely and effectively as possible. Uh, so that's the nature of the relationship. And um, someone in our audience might listen to you, Mr. Secretary, and say, oh, so we have to ask the Taliban for permission for American citizens to leave. True or not true? They, they are in control of Kabul. That is the reality. Uh, that's the reality uh, that, uh, that we have to deal with. Yeah, it's the reality, uh, Mr. Secretary of State, because your boss, President Biden, allowed this to happen. His catastrophic plan to extract, start to extract people after seeing for the last two or three weeks the Taliban taking over capital city, capital city after capital city of each province and not taking a cue from that, that the extraction ought to have started earlier. So now we're in this situation as of today that the Taliban is saying we're not going to wait any time beyond August 31st. Now, Taliban spokesman Suhail Shaheen said as much in an interview he gave to a Western journalist. And so what you're going to hear is a bit of Suhail Shaheen, the Taliban spokesman. And after that, what you're going to hear from is Adam Schiff. You may remember him from the impeachment proceedings, but he also is chair of the House Intelligence. He's the Democrat House. Uh, he's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. On this issue of the August 31st deadline, cut number nine. If they extend it, that means they are extending occupation. While uh, there is no need uh, for, for that, I think that it will create mistrust bet- between us. It will um, uh, provoke a reaction. I think it's uh, very unlikely. It's hard for me to imagine all of that can be accomplished between now and the end of the month. I think the threat to the airport is very real. This would make a very attractive target for ISIS-K uh, for, or for elements of al-Qaeda. So there you have it. That was Adam Schiff saying, no, I, I don't think we can accomplish. What is he saying? No, the United States cannot accomplish with the August 31st, remember what I'm saying, a week from today deadline that the Taliban is imposing on ending this extraction operation. And you heard the Taliban spokesman Shaheen say there would be repercussions if the Americans don't complete that operation. Adam Schiff saying it's almost impossible. So what does that mean? That means that we're going to have Americans behind enemy lines there in Afghanistan. We're going to have Afghans who have helped us over this last 20 years. Now, what I want you to listen to is an exchange yesterday between Fox's Peter Ducey and official White House spokesman Jen Psaki. And she gets offended when Peter Ducey suggests that there are Americans now and will be stranded. Have a listen to this exchange. Cut number six. Does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan? It's the way that he has ordered it to happen by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded. Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, 
via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan. I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan. Yeah, I'm calling you out for saying we're stranding Americans in Afghanistan. Basically, what Jen Psaki is asking not only Peter Ducey, but the American people to, she's saying, accept what I'm saying. Don't accept the reality of what you are seeing. And to the point, Peter Ducey's point, Fox News was able to contact an American who is stranded right now. Have a listen to what she has to say. Her name is Fatima or Fatima. She is an American stranded in Afghanistan. Cut seven. We get more of uh, news to uh, stay put than to be told that you're going to be evacuated. This is not this is not comforting at all because we don't know if we're going to make it out. I really need our president to really, um, really consider this serious. We are in danger. We are in danger, Mr. President. Please help us. Wow. That kind of says it all, doesn't it? Please, Mr. President, help us. Now, let's be very clear about this. We have the greatest fighting force in the world, folks. Our soldiers, our men and women, are the very best. Best trained, compassionate. You've seen the, the pictures near the wall there in the, in the Kabul airport. Little babies being passed up to the top of the fence and our soldiers taking them in their arms to try to save some. Pouring water on their heads and giving them drinks of water because the water quality there in that country is just so horrible. That's, that's our fighting force there, folks. They are professionals. They want to do more. But this president of the United States right now is not letting them. That's the situation. How much time do we have before the break? About three minutes. I want you to hear from a guy. And this is going to be cut number 11, uh, Devin. This is a, a guy by the name of Jocko Wilnick. Now, I've not heard of him before. He is a retired Navy SEAL. But apparently he puts posts out there. And what he's done, he's put together something that uh, basically he said, if I was the president of the United States, this is what I would be saying right now. So what you're hearing is what this guy wants the president of the United States, Joe Biden, to say to the Taliban at 11. Unfortunately, there are tens of thousands of Americans on the ground there, as well as friends and allies of America on the ground. And these people, Americans and our allies, are all stranded. And that is my fault. But they will not be stranded for long. In the next 48 hours, America will be in control of most major airports in Afghanistan. Any resistance we meet from the Taliban or otherwise when we seize these airports will be destroyed completely and without mercy. From those airports, we will conduct rapid strike rescue missions 
until we have recovered and evacuated all our citizens, allies, and friends. Any person that interferes with these operations will be killed. We will also recover or destroy all aircraft, vehicles, weapons, and sensitive equipment that we left behind. Any person utilizing, guarding, or located in close proximity to these weapons or equipment will be killed. Once we have evacuated all friendly personnel and recovered or destroyed the weapons and equipment left behind, we will depart Afghanistan. So there you have it. That's a guy by the name of Jocko Wilnick, retired military Navy SEAL. And he's saying that's what the President of the United States should be saying to these Taliban terrorists. Unfortunately, I don't think you're going to hear the President of the United States, Joe Biden, say that. Because as we've just been talking about in the last few moments, the stance that this White House seems to be taking is we have to negotiate with the Taliban, the Taliban terrorists. It's going to be interesting today because the call from our allies is for President Biden to extend this August 31st deadline. As you heard Adam Schiff, Democrat Adam Schiff, say a few moments ago, we can't get this done. We can't get this extraction mission done by next Tuesday. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, if you look at how this president has responded so far, looks like he's going to give in to the Taliban demands, which means... We will leave Americans stranded. We will leave many of the people who have helped us. Then what? You know, someone was saying this morning, I was listening to Fox and Friends. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Can you imagine the image? The Taliban, their friends in Al-Qaeda, will be at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, celebrating what they did on 9-11 because of the weakness of this president. Yeah, do we need to pray for this president? We sure do. But we also need to pray that his military advisors would start telling him and others around him, you've got to do something more than negotiate and give in to the Taliban. All right, you're listening to Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in. Much more ahead on Sandy Rios in the Morning. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance. And MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's healthcare costs. And because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by August 31st and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. 
Here it is. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Ali Kowar, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Employee Benefit Security Administration. His office administers, regulates, and enforces the provisions that establish minimum standards for pension plans in private industry. Leviticus 19.32 reminds us of the importance of respecting and caring for our elders. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Ali Kawar in his work with our nation's pension plans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. State Representative Carter Nordman authored a bill that requires public schools to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. It's now the law of the land in Iowa, but not everybody's happy. The other day, got a nasty call from a lady accusing him of supporting a symbol of white supremacy. The irate caller said our children are not proud to be American, blasted the nation's racist history, racist roots. She also said that blonde-haired, blue-eyed children have more rights than everyone else. And it really was a profane message. That gal was using language that would have made Quentin Tarantino blush. Senator Nordham told Fox News that he actually called the lady back to have a discussion about her concerns. But she hung up the phone. Well, that's just like a triggered snowflake. All bark, no bite. That being said, her mouth needs to be washed out with a bar of soap. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy today. You know, we've been talking about... Bungled is almost too soft a word to be used as to how this administration is handling Afghanistan. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised by a CBS poll that came out in the last couple of days which says majority of Americans no longer believe Biden is competent. Admit botched Afghanistan withdrawal. How can you have any other conclusion, folks? As we've just been outlining, we have now been put in a position by this administration where we are going hoping as we negotiate with the Taliban on the next move in this exit strategy. The Taliban is telling the United States of America, you got to be out of here by next Tuesday. August 31st, and even Democrats, as we just played there, uh, Adam Schiff, head of the House Intelligence Committee, say we can't get it done by then. So what does that mean? That means we are facing the prospect of leaving behind Americans and allies who have helped us over the last 20 years, 
because of the failed strategy of this administration. Going to go to Washington right now and get the latest on how things are reacting. People are reacting, both Democrats and Republicans, to all of this in Washington. And our good friend Gary Bauer of Campaign for Working Families is on the line. Good morning, Gary. Hey, good morning, Fred. How are you? Not too bad. You know, a headline that I'm looking at on Fox right now kind of says it all. CIA Director William Burns met with Taliban leader in Kabul yesterday. It sounds to me, Gary, like the CIA Director, the, the Director of the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States, goes to Kabul to sit down to plea with this terrorist leader. Can you please allow us to extend the extraction time of August 31st? And they're already saying publicly the Taliban, we're not going to do that. Gary, we, we stop and think about this. These are a group of thugs, deadly thugs, and we're negotiating with them? Fred, uh, Ronald Reagan, who I probably worked for for eight years, is rolling in his grave. Uh, this, you know, I, I think everybody in the country, virtually everybody in the country, understands that uh, the, the whole withdrawal was botched. I, I mean, there was a plan that was set in place by President Trump and Vice President Pence uh, that was was put together to avoid this kind of scenario. And it literally was based on the idea that if the Taliban made any overt hostile moves during any period of the withdrawal, that the withdrawal would immediately be canceled and there would be a strong and... Uh, a uh, sustained American military response from the air. Uh, Biden abandoned all of that. He's not following the Trump plan. He's following the Biden plan. We see it's a disaster. But the, the, as you're pointing out, the disaster just keeps going. I mean, now we are reduced to uh, lowering ourselves to this the level of this terrorist group, basically begging them to give us a little bit more time. Uh, or, you know, the clock, the Taliban clock will, will run out. I, you know, I've pointed out a couple of times, uh, the United States is the ones that decides when a clock has run out, uh, not, not our enemies. And so the humiliation and the loss of American uh, prestige and loss of confidence in the United States by our allies around the world, that is an ongoing disaster courtesy of President Biden and Vice President Harris, and I see no end in sight, unfortunately. You know, uh, the the arrogance, in the midst of all of this, the arrogance of the Biden administration, um, I want to play for you, and played this for our audience a few moments ago, an exchange uh, yesterday between Fox's Peter Ducey and spokesman, White House spokesman Jen Psaki on the issue of whether Americans are stranded there have a listen to this, and I'll get your reaction when we come back. Cut six. Does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan? It's the way that he has ordered it to happen, by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded. Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, 
via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan. I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan. I'm just calling you out for saying we are leaving Americans stranded in Afghanistan. Uh, one more cut for you, Gary. I want to play. Here is a, an American woman in Kabul who says she is stranded. Cut number seven. We get more of uh, news to uh, stay put than to be told that you're going to be evacuated. This is not this is not comforting at all because we don't know if we're going to make it out. I really need our president to really, um, really consider this serious. We are in danger. We are in danger. Mr. President, please help us. So Jen Psaki, Gary, is telling the American public, hey, we're not stranding them. So there, there is the narrative from the White House, Gary, it seems, and then there's reality. Yeah, you know, Fred, I mean, uh, I, I've got a. I've really got to restrain myself. I mean, my own anger level here is uh, is sky high. That Jen Psaki and, and the whole White House operation—they're they're more interested in political fallout and the optics and which words can be used and which words can't be used than they are about the, the reputation and the security of the United States of America. I mean, the, 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 all you got to do is turn on the TV set. We, we will find out in the days ahead and the weeks ahead that there have been Americans already killed in Afghanistan uh, in the far reaches of the country. It's a huge country. There's 37 million people there, but it's a large landmass. There are Americans that are working all over that country. They were sent there to train local police departments. They were there advising on various matters, doing construction, et cetera. We'll find out that some of them are, other, are already dead. Others are in hiding. They hear Jen Psaki, oh, we're tweeting them, we're emailing them. Are you kidding me? Some of these men and women are in places where an email or a tweet's not even going to get through. Uh, you know, Jen Psaki's in a nice, comfortable office in the West Wing of the White House, and she'll go back to her uh, air-conditioned home tonight after... She puts in another day uh, misleading the American people, and uh, she has no idea what it must feel like to be an American in Afghanistan right now with crazy Islamic jihadists now in control of the country. Gary, if there's, and I hesitate to call it a bright spot in all of this story, but polls, editorials in Publications like the New York Times, the Washington Post, are at least entering into a realm of some degree of honesty. This CBS poll, majority of Americans no longer believe Biden is competent, admit botched Afghanistan withdrawal. Do you believe this reflects the reality, well, the hope-for reality that America is finally waking up to this disaster and who's behind it? Well, I, I think the president, I think President Biden has taken a real hit on this. Even that CBS poll, I, I think, probably understates uh, uh, how much he has lost. That, that was a poll of several thousand residents of the United States, not even United States citizens, let alone registered voters or likely voters. So the actual figures of, uh, of American citizens 
uh, who are active in American politics who think that he, who now think that he's incompetent. I wouldn't be surprised if it's much closer to 60%. But look, we, we have a history in this country and we live in an age of, uh, you know, sound bites and, uh, we move from one issue to the other in a couple of hours. I think the Biden White House is banking on us forgetting, on the American people forgetting how bad this felt, how terrible it looked. And the, and the kind of irony here, Fred, is that we see damage with our own eyes. We see the humiliation with our own eyes and what it must be like to be an American soldier at that air base and not be able to go out to find Americans and bring them back, which is what those Marine, Marines and Army uh, uh, men and women want to do. But there's going to be a slow motion, ongoing damage in our credibility around the world, in our alliances, and in the very real possibility that our enemies now feel emboldened. They think we're weak. They think we've lost our, uh, our spirit that we've had all through our history. And I think uh, some of these enemies, like communist China, like Russia, like Iran, may very well try to take advantage of this situation. And uh, we may not we may not even see it. It may be behind the scenes. You know, we just heard uh, a day ago or so that the State Department was hacked uh, and, and uh, very important information again stolen. So this country's on its heels. I hope they remember. I certainly hope they remember until November of 2022 where there, there will be a chance to change the balance in the Congress in a way that would restrain the failed policies of this president. Yeah, I, I don't hear a lot of Democrats coming out and supporting the president on this. Uh, it's, it's quite amazing. Uh, at the House last night, they were debating about this uh, resolution on the $3.5 trillion package, the socialist package, as some people are calling it, uh, Nancy Pelosi wants to link it to the the one trillion dollar infrastructure plan, and uh, Democrats fought that last night to the point that they couldn't even hold a vote. So I'm wondering if if we're starting to see Democrats realizing who are up for election in about 18 months are starting to see this as a disaster, and they don't want to provoke the American people any more than they have to. That's that's a good political analysis, Fred. Now the the, the downside of that is I think there may only be about 10 of these guys that yeah. uh, uh, would be called moderates in the Democrat Party, but even in, uh, even in the Republican Party, they probably would be closer to being sort of traditional liberals or whatever. But in a narrowly divided House, 10 Democrats doing that is a big problem for Nancy Pelosi. And then on the other side, she's got about 100 members of the Progressive Caucus led by people like Ilhan Omar. And uh, so she's got pressure on that side to go even further towards socialism. So they've got a major problem. And I'm hoping that, uh, as you say, that that, uh, these 10 members willing to stand up right now may mean that she's going to have a hard time, uh, along with Schumer, in getting any more of this just horrific big government uh, big regulations and, and with no exaggeration, socialist programs mm. being rammed through the United States Congress by an administration that won the election, if you believe they won it, narrowly, and uh, in a Senate in which both parties have 50 senators. Gary, just have a few minutes left. I did want to ask you about um, 
some headlines that came out last week, and, and unfortunately there are other news stories that are not getting the attention that they should. But the headline last week was basically the investigators into what happened on January 6th in Washington are coming to the realization that this wasn't a planned insurrection at all, as the Democrats and the mainstream media keep trying to spin this, that it was individuals. In fact, they're having prosecutors are having to reduce charges such as conspiracy because they're saying they have found no evidence of a conspiracy. Yeah, Fred, that was an important article or announcement. It got lost in the shuffle. Uh, look, uh, nobody was happy about what happened on January 6th uh, uh, in the Capitol building, including the three or 400,000 Americans that came to Washington, D.C. The number of people that illegally entered the Capitol was, you know, a few hundred, maybe a thousand out of four or 500,000 people that were in the city. But Pelosi tried to make this uh, another opportunity to smear every individual in the country that voted for Trump, every person that's got some questions about whether the election involved widespread cheating or not. And so she took it and ran with it, tried to make it a, you know, uh, just the number one issue. And unfortunately, with all the attention on those four hours on Capitol Hill, they weren't doing their job in Congress of overseeing what Biden's withdrawal plan was to get out of Afghanistan. It's amazing. Uh, I noticed in your end of days yesterday, you made note of retired Air Force General Michael Hayden raising eyebrows, comparing Trump supporters to the Afghan, uh, the Taliban terrorists. Yeah, I, I mean, Hayden said that we uh, agreed with some other people and said that uh, the United States, instead of sending planes to Afghanistan empty, we ought to send uh, MAGA supporters on the planes to Afghanistan, basically where they'll be more comfortable. Uh, well, I got news for Hayden, who is the former director of the CIA. Uh, MAGA supporters have been fighting the Afghan war for the last 20 years. They're quite aware of what Afghanistan's like. Yeah. And the fact that somebody who used to run our CIA would say something like that is disgusting. Yes. I mentioned your end of day. It's a great report on what's happening in our nation, your perspective on things. How can people get that in their email box? Uh, well, thanks, Fred. They can go to our, O-U-R, ouramericanvalues.org, and you can sign up there. Gary, as always, we appreciate your perspective. And join us as we keep praying. Uh, for a break, breakthrough here and for the dear folks that are caught behind enemy lines there in Afghanistan and pray for our Thank nation, you, friends. All right, take Always care, Always great Gary. to be with you. You bet. God bless. All right, got to take a little break here. Much more ahead on this Tuesday morning right here on Sandy Rios in the morning. We're back right after the break. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? 
I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When queried by the Pharisees concerning the greatest commandment, Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He then said the second greatest commandment is, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't simply say you shall love your neighbor. He said Christ followers must love our neighbors as ourselves. Christian duty requires us to employ discernment and active empathy. We worship our Lord when we put ourselves in one another's shoes as we do life together and resolve misunderstandings. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. It remains to be seen how many Americans and allied Afghans will be left behind by the Taliban's month's end deadline. What will remain, however, is an arsenal of U.S.-supplied weapons that will exponentially increase the destructive power of the newly re-established terror-sponsoring Islamic Emirates of Afghanistan. President Biden blithely assured us in July that the Afghan army was one of the world's most powerful militaries. This proved, of course, to be as wrong as virtually every other facet of his reckless decision to withdraw all American forces from the country by September 11th. But what is true is that the arms given to the Afghan military, or otherwise abandoned by ours as it departed, have the potential in the wrong hands to be extremely dangerous. They're in the wrong hands now and headed to others around the world. Welcome to the Biden Legacy. This is Frank Afney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy today. She's going to take a couple of days off. You know, I just want to reiterate we've been talking a lot about uh, what is going on, obviously, in Afghanistan. 
And I, I just want to say once again, I, I want to commend the bravery of our soldiers, our military, that are there doing everything that they possibly can. I believe many members of our military would want to do a whole lot more than just be at that airport and being there at the behest of the Taliban now or under the shadow of the Taliban who have these checkpoints all around the airport. The Taliban is deciding who gets inside that perimeter. And our men and women in uniform are then doing the best that they can to help people and to get people to safety. But I believe with all my heart they would love to be doing more, but this president, this commander-in-chief is not allowing them to do that. We have the most powerful, most well-trained forces in the world And I think that's why a lot of our allies, the Brits, the French, and others are scratching their heads and saying, really? This is all you're going to do? And you're going to allow the Taliban to dictate when you have to wrap up that operation a week from today, August 31st? We will be waiting today to see what the administration is going to decide, whether it will defy the Taliban orders and take that extraction operation beyond August 31st. I'm not optimistic. But as we said at the end of the last segment, we need to be praying for those Americans who are indeed, despite what Jen Psaki is saying, stranded behind enemy lines. And those allies of ours, there's still thousands, folks. You may not have heard, but there are some operations going on behind the scenes that hasn't been getting a lot of attention of former military personnel who are finding a way in to Afghanistan to get some people out. These are retired members of the military coming in and doing what our men and women in uniform would love to be doing, and that's a whole lot more. But this administration has decided that I guess it's going to take its orders from the Taliban terrorists. Hard to believe that kind of thing is happening. We're talking to Gary a few moments ago, Gary Bauer, about other news. You may not have heard yesterday uh, that the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, has given its approval to the Pfizer vaccine. Right Up to now, the vaccines that have been out there, the public, the shots, so-called, that people have been taking, uh, were experimental but now the Pfizer vaccine has been approved. Here's uh, Acting FDA Commissioner Dr. Janet Woodcock making that announcement yesterday. Cut one. Well, today's approval includes people ages 16 and older. The vaccine continues to be available under emergency use authorization for individuals 12 through 15 years of age and to provide a third dose for certain immunocompromised individuals. This is an unprecedented timeline given the volume of review and the meticulous manner in which it was done. But we want to underscore that our efforts to move as quickly as possible have in no way sacrificed scientific standards or the integrity of our process. 
as the first FDA-approved COVID-19 vaccine, the public can be confident that this vaccine meets the FDA's gold standards for safety, effectiveness, and manufacturing quality that we require for an approved product. Well, um, the public can be confident that all the T's were crossed, the I's dotted, and that the political operation in this country, the Biden administration, didn't push the FDA to approve this quickly so they could add more pressure to people to get this vaccine. All right. Some people, one of them is Twyla Brace. She's an RN and president and co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. She thinks the FDA's approval of the Pfizer shot was a political decision. Listen to what she has to say. Cut three. There's never been a vaccine that has been approved so quickly. And I think that this is the government deciding to help employers and others move forward with vaccination mandates. They want this to they want their announcement, they want this approval to eliminate all reason for opposition to the vaccine. But I think that this will not settle anything. Many people will understand that this is a political decision. And if anything, it's going to fan the flames of dissent from those who are concerned about the vaccination and don't believe that there's any way that a company or anyone else should force them to take an injection of something that is genetic, something that has side effects, and something they don't want to take. So I, I think this is not going to go like they hope it's going to go. I think that the protests will only expand. All right. That was Twyla Brace. As I mentioned, she is a registered nurse and president and co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. All right. A political decision. All right. Already we know this, this announcement was made a couple of weeks ago that our men and women in uniform, our military, that uh, they are going to be forced now to take this. Now, I was reading in uh, this vaccination. I was reading a an Associated Press story on this yesterday. Um, members of the U.S. military are already required to take, get as many as 17 different vaccines, depending on where they are deployed. The requirements, which include shots for smallpox, hepatitis, polio, and regular flu, also provide for a number of temporary and permanent exemptions for either medical or administrative reasons. Now, I would note smallpox, hepatitis, vaccines, polio, well-tested for many, many, many years, unlike this vaccine. But the AP goes on to say permanent exemptions include serious medical reactions to the vaccine, immune deficiencies such as HIV infection, and evidence, quote here, evidence of existing immunity by a serologic antibody test or documentation of previous infection or natural infection presumed, end quote. So I was wondering as I read this yesterday, are they going to apply this exemption policy to this COVID vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine. They have, in the case of these other more traditional vaccines that had years of testing, still they had these exemptions in place. Are they going to provide these exemptions for our men and women in uniform, our military? 
very anxious to see that. Or is the push by the Biden administration to our military leaders going to be such that uh, these exemptions will not apply? Now, yesterday, it was very interesting. The president came out, and of course, he, he wants to talk about anything but Afghanistan these days. But he came out yesterday, and he says now that it has the official stamp of approval from the FDA, he's calling on companies to step up vaccine requirements. Cut number five. I'm calling on more country, more companies, I should say, in the private sector to step up with vaccine requirements that will reach millions more people. Well, and it's vaccine requirement. No, vaccine mandate. In other words, he wants companies, and there are already some organizations, there's been some hospital uh, entities and others who have already told their employees, unless you get the vaccine, you will not work here. There are some universities who are telling students, hey, you may have been accepted at the university to come to class in just the next few weeks, some of these students are uh, these students are getting letters saying unless you can prove you've had the vaccination you're no longer welcome here. So uh, this uh, and and there's no talk of exemptions in this. It was really kind of interesting this morning, and I had thought about this before I heard the interview on Fox and Friends. How is this going to apply? For instance, at a hospital, if a hospital's orders all its medical personnel to be vaccinated or you don't have a job here. What happens if 20% of the workforce says, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get the vaccine for whatever reason. Um, We're already hearing hospitals that are crying because they're short of staff. What are they going to do then? What if it's nursing staff? What if it's house cleaning staff, what if it's food services staff? Those are all important people. So what are you going to do then? And then I heard this interview this morning, which was very interesting. And the voice you're going to hear is the voice of Mark Thompson. And he is with the International Association of Firefighters. And what it might mean for firefighters what it might mean for 911 operators across the country. Have a listen to this, cut number 10. My fears are that, that people that have decided not to get the vaccine for, for many reasons uh, won't get the vaccine. So we're not really talking about a mandate that's going to get all of our people vaccinated. We're talking about a mandate that's going to get rid of the people who aren't vaccinated. And that's not really the same thing. Um, so when we lose those people, we're already short-staffed, and that's going to lead to uh, mandatory overtime. Our guys are already stressed. We've been doing this for a year and a half now. We've had no work-related exposures. I feel like we're solving a problem that we don't have. We pose no risk to the public. We wear PPE. We wear, we're not wearing face masks to uh, calls. We wear rated respirators, the N95 masks that we've been fit-tested for. So we know that we're not passing the virus to the patients. Um, so uh, my fear is that these people are going to walk out of principle. You know, our job is one that people with strong principles gravitate towards. And uh, as such, I don't expect that some of these guys are going to buckle on it. I think they're going to walk. It was very interesting in that same interview. 
they had a fire chief from a city in Maine. And he actually put actual numbers in of apparently people who have already told him that work for his fire department uh, that I am not going to take the vaccine. I'll look elsewhere for work. So what we're facing then, folks, is, you know, as if the Biden administration hasn't created enough problems in other areas, Afghanistan, now you have the president of the United States calling on entities. And by the way, in the case of some of these uh, uh, nursing homes, for instance, what did Biden say the other day? My administration will cut off Medicare and Medicaid funding to nursing homes that don't force their employees to get vaccinated. So now what's going to happen when we have fire departments, 911 operations, and you have people who refuse to take the vaccine? And so now these fire departments, these 911, whatever the case may be, now you're going to be, they're going to be short of staff. What happens then? Folks, it all goes back to the ideology of this president, this administration. There's already enough chaos out there, but they seem determined, they seem determined to add to it by these mandates. As you just heard uh, Mr. Thompson saying there, our fire departments, our fire people are highly, highly trained. They're trained in the area of protecting themselves and protecting uh, patients and those who are in trouble against further health damage with the equipment that they have. And yet, the Biden administration wants to say to fire departments, to companies, you get rid of those people who are refusing to take the vaccine. What about these exemptions? There are valid exemptions out there. This is not an anti-vaccine as, as I think Mr. Thompson said, we're talking about now going to war against people who say, I don't need the vaccine. I have antibodies. This is just going to create more problems, more tension in this country at a time when it certainly doesn't need it. Hey, listen, it's been good to be with you today. Much more great programming here at American Family Radio. Fred Jackson signing off. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.